Welcome to episode 11 of the F1 show for the 2007 British Grand Prix. I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lau, and we had a pretty cool race today with uh, three potential winners for most of the race. It really could have gone any way, but uh, tell us how it ended up. Kimi Raikkonen makes it a double and wins the British Grand Prix. His third win this season puts him back in the hunt for the championship, but he still has a steep hill to climb named Hamilton. The McLaren cars finish 2-3, this time led by reigning champ Alonso. Pole sitter Lewis Hamilton collected six points for third and continued to add to his record-setting rookie podium finishes. 22-year-old BMW Sauber driver Robert Kubica repeated his fourth-place performance from France and held off the second Ferrari of Felipe Massa to do so. The Polish driver collected five points for his efforts. Massa, who qualified fourth, stalled before the start of the race and had to start from the pits. Nick Heidfeld was last across the line on the lead lap with a sixth-place finish, and Renault collected three points at Silverstone, courtesy of Heike Kovalainen finishing seventh and Italian Giancarlo Fisichella grabbing eighth. So there it is, the British Grand Prix. Kimi Raikkonen, dude. Yeah, coming back out of not out of nowhere. I mean, he won the last race, but at, at the beginning of the season, we really thought he was going to walk away with it with his uh, opening round win. And then just Ferrari had some performance issues, and Kimi had some issues. Um, but he's back at it. I mean, obviously they've got something sorted out. And uh, in this case, I think it's tire strategy, fuel, and pit strategy. Sort of the uh, his driving on track has never really gotten that bad, but the strategy really worked out for Ferrari this weekend. Yeah. Well, last weekend. Ferrari did really well, but it really seemed more like a Ferrari dominance than a Raikkonen dominance. Uh, you know, it was a Ferrari 1-2, and he was battling Massa, but he wasn't battling either of the McLarens. Well, it could have been a Ferrari dominance this weekend if Felipe Massa had installed on the, on the, uh, on the grid and uh, had to start from the, from the pit lane. I mean, it really could have been both of them walking away with it, because Massa did storm through the field to end up fifth. That's true, but Massa only qualified fourth this time and had both Alonso and Hamilton in his way. So last last weekend in France, Massa actually had the pole, and it was Hamilton in between Massa and Raikkonen, and Raikkonen got around him right at the beginning. So it seemed like performance-wise, this weekend more than any other weekend this season, the cars were pretty closely matched. But unlike last weekend, Raikkonen was just brilliant in the car. I mean, I was I was really excited to see him doing what he was doing. I mean, that was a Michael Schumacher performance. He had more fuel than anybody else, and he just put in amazing laps when he was on his own. It was incredible. Yeah, well, the uh, Ferrari started on the softer, the two tires available to the teams this weekend, um, and they actually did two stints, uh, the first two stints on the, on the softer tires, and then went to the hard for the last set, um, which in stark contrast to the McLarens, um, who both, they, you know, in their testing, thought that the hard tires worked better around the circuit, which uh, Ron Dennis has later admitted that they were wrong about. So both the McLarens started out on the hard tires. Um, Fernando went to mediums for his second stint, and Lewis went to the, to the mediums for his, uh, for his last stint. But um, I think Ferrari just got it right with the tire choice. We're able to walk away from these guys. And, uh, and then with the, the pit strategy as well, I mean, it did turn out that uh, Lewis Hamilton was the lightest of the, of the top four guys. Um, you know, maybe to get him on pole in his, in, his, in his home race in front of all the fans, Maybe just because they figured that was the best strategy. We're not quite sure. But um, obviously it did well for him to get him on pole, and it was a big boost. But then he really just had nothing for the guys on the start. I mean, or he, he, was, he, held, he left the, um, in, the, in the first round of pits. I mean, he uh, you know, held on to the, to the lead in the beginning. But then in the first round of pit stops, he did make an error, um, sort of an un-Lewis-like error, 
uh, where he started to pull forward out of his pit lane before the before the lollipop had gone up. And I told you it was bound to happen. He's just a rookie. He is just a rookie. He still he still ended up on the podium, but uh, <laughs> you know he had this. Uh, where he, he started to pull forward. He did catch it quickly and, and, and came back to a stop, and no, nobody was hurt. They didn't run off with the fuel rig or didn't have to come back in. Oh, he moved like in. six inches. I mean, it, it was a pretty... It was very... It, it was, was over before it started. It was more than that, but still, it was enough to, I think, it shook him up a little bit. It made the pit stop tape longer and uh, and set him back a little bit, and then I don't know if that just messed, messed with him a little bit and he couldn't quite be at 10 tenths, but uh, you know, after the first round of uh, pit stops, he really just... Couldn't bring anything back to the to leaders. Well, let's take a look at this. What impresses me is if you look at the whole weekend, first of all, Raikkonen was very close to having the pole. He was a tenth off of Hamilton's time at the end. But again, like... Tenth is a long way, though. Tenth of a second is not that long of a way. And Hamilton had less fuel than Raikkonen. But it, I think Raikkonen has also proved that he had... Hamilton had less fuel, but so did Alonso. Raikkonen had um, a longer first stint, not not quite as long as Alonso, but he had a very long second stint. And towards the end of the second stint, he put in some of the most amazing laps of the race. He was lapping a second faster or better than Alonso, and he he went out, I think, another four laps past Alonso's second stint. And when he came out after his second pit stop, he was comfortably in the lead and just cruise to victory yeah well both of these guys um their engines have to work again the same engines work uh, next weekend at the nurburgring grand prix so they both turned the whip down after the second round of pit stops mclaren realized they weren't going to be able to challenge ferrari and uh Reichen realized you know he's up in the lead no no need to really push that hard they had to work through traffic and so on so you know the there wasn't a whole lot of super exciting racing in the in the very last stint but uh, up until then when they were still battling uh, it was definitely one of the better, you know, battles for the lead that we've seen so far this season. Yeah, absolutely. But this is this is what I want everyone to kind of get the essence of this. Alonso was in the lead of the race, and he pitted for a second pit stop with 23 laps to go. At that time, Kimi Raikkonen, when you take out the rough equation of the pit stop, was uh, roughly six seconds behind Alonso, and in less than six laps. Raikkonen not only pulled that six seconds back, but actually had a couple seconds spare, a couple second buffer ahead of him. I mean, he was absolutely a rocket. Yeah. And he did the same thing to Hamilton and the first stint. Hamilton was leading the race for the first 15 laps before he came in. And then Raikkonen pulled in a couple, couple more laps. He was super quick, and he came out a good second and a half, two seconds in front of Hamilton. Yeah, the the handful of laps before the second pit stop for uh, for Kimi Raikkonen, we were looking at the gap and looking at the gap and figured, okay, you know, they need about 20, 23 seconds to get into the pit lane, to the pit stop, out of the pit lane, and back on track. So, you know, he had to be more than 23 seconds in front of Alonso um, for him to make the pit stop and keep in the lead. And it looked like it was going to be close, but by the time he got, he just put in some rocket fast laps, and by the time Raikkonen was coming out of his second pit stop. You know, Ham, or what is it? Fernando Alonso was just well back on track by by several seconds, and and then and Alonso never made anything back up after that. So. And well, and it, and it has to be said also, uh, Raikkonen's second pit stop was super spot on. I mean, the Ferrari crew is stunning. It was a six point six second stop, which was about perfect. I don't think Jean Todd could ask for anything more from the team, and so unlike France. I think Raikkonen's performance is really what prevailed here. In France, it seemed like it was more the car. And I don't know, maybe Raikkonen would disagree with me, but 
it, it, it was a really brilliant race to see. And this race is the first time this season where I said, that is the driver that I know and love. That is the Raikkonen I remember. That is the reason why Raikkonen has countless you know, websites that are fan clubs of his that are all run by girls that are Finnish and shit going, oh my God, Raikkonen, he's so hot. I want to have his babies. Because that is how he can drive. I think that's just because he's hot, man. I mean, for Finnish girls. Well, I don't know. It, okay, but no, like... it's, the, it's the Raikkonen we know and love. <laughs> and, the, and the Raikkonen we liked at McLaren. Girls and... like race car drivers. Come on. Yeah, there you go. So it's it's too bad the McLarens, you know, just just messed up on the tire choice to, uh, you know, so they really couldn't bring it to the Ferraris. But, um, you know, good on the Ferraris to, to get it done, I reckon, anyway. And we should just give uh, Felipe Massa credit for working his way up through the field from dead last to uh, up to fifth spot. Um, and obviously did a hard race, just had to deal with traffic the whole time and, and made it through. But, uh, you know, if only, if, if, if only he hadn't, who knows how this might have turned out with, uh, with the, the top four guys contenders just uh, all competing on track. Certainly. This time around, uh, Massa qualified fourth, like we said earlier. So he didn't, he didn't quite have the pace he's had in the past, but he certainly wasn't out of it by any means. And judging by the Ferrari's performance, he could have been mixing it up and he could have, he could have been the one that booted Hamilton off the podium for the first time. Could have been. But alas, he stalled right before the start of the race. They had to do another lap, another formation lap, and he had to start from the pits. 22nd, well, he started 21st, actually. Uh, our boy Sato right, right actually behind, also yeah. started in the pits. Um, so he had a lot of people to get by. Silverstone's not an easy place to pass. He made a lot of great moves. He was aggressive. And, and good for him. I mean, these last couple of races, Massa seems to be, I don't know, a touch emotional. And I think he needs to calm down just a little bit. But he, he drove, he drove like a professional. He didn't do anything crazy. And he, he made up a lot of places. And he made lemonade out of lemons this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think Felipe Massa could have been the guy to push Lewis Hamilton off the podium. But uh, what can we say? The force is strong with Lewis. And uh, one, one way or another, um, he's going to keep those podiums coming. And if we look at the, uh, the fastest laps, I mean, Kimi Raikkonen, you know, fastest lap of the day. No big surprise there. Um, and only two tenths off of, of his fastest lap time is Felipe Massa. So if he hadn't uh, been, you know, gotten shuffled to the back with his... Uh, with, with his stalling on the on the grid there, and we don't quite know if that was a driver thing or a car thing. Uh, originally, it sounds like oh the engine cut out, which sounds like a car problem. But then if it's because of something that you know if it's because Felipe did something wrong with the clutch, we're not quite sure what the uh, what the cause of that is. But either way, we know what the effects are. But uh, so Felipe Massa was second uh, fastest lap, and then Fernando Alonso, and then Lewis Hamilton. So it's conceivable that they could have finished that way, which would have booted Lewis off the uh, off the podium. Um, and the, and it's worth noting that the McLarens' times are. They're both, I mean, three tenths, four tenths back from Philippe Massa's time. So, um, you know, they just didn't have the pace. It's not like the strategy, you know, worked out. It didn't work out. They just couldn't couldn't keep up. Whether it's a tire choice or the strategy, but they just couldn't couldn't make it work. Yeah, I think it could be a combination of the tire choice and the car setup based on the tire choice. I think, as much as anything, it just seemed like the car just wasn't working the way they wanted to, and they ended up making a different tire choice because of it, which compromised things even more. But this is another thing that struck me this weekend. This is the first time that I think Hamilton did not put in a brilliant performance. I'm not saying his performance was bad. He ended up on the podium and deserved it, but... Well, his his pit, his problem in the first pit stop, I think, I mean, clearly a mistake, on, and looks like Absolutely. it's pretty much his fault. And The lollipop guy didn't lift the, the, the stick early or anything. I mean, it was really just like he got... Over keen, as it were. It, it was very similar to Christian Albers last week, although the results weren't nearly as traumatic. 
But, I mean, he was 40 seconds behind the leader when he crossed. He was 37 seconds behind Fernando Alonso. This race, Alonso was the stronger driver, and it was noticeable. And Alonso, I think, did everything he could to keep Raikkonen honest. Um, so Hamilton certainly still did a very strong, solid job, but this is not the brilliance that Lewis Hamilton has been come to know, be known for. Yeah, I mean, although we've set, he set such high standards for himself that even though you know it's, uh, you know, it's still his first his rookie season, um, and and you know to to get on the podium, I mean, it, it sucks to throw away a pole certainly, but uh, to be able to make an error um, and to to have you know a car that's not quite on par and then you know still keep a third place out of it is is still pretty respectable and uh, I think worth a lot of money and Lewis does too, <laughs> and he's apparently much so. only making about three hundred thousand dollars a year, which is what in contrast you to, can't you can't buy that's not Formula One money you can't live the Formula One life on three hundred grand a year, folks. Let me say, uh, but. Uh, I mean, we know uh, Fernando Alonso is probably making an exit, you know, well into eight figures. Um, yes. You know, we know like Ralph Schumacher is making twenty million dollars. Raikkonen's making more than that. So Lewis Hamilton, um, I, you can tell why. I mean, it's it's a bit of a gamble from McLaren's part because he's a rookie driver. They don't know if he's going to do well or not. So they write him this contract saying, "All right, we're going to pay you this. There's three hundred grand plus a bonus based on number of points." And all this is is kept under wraps, so we can't be sure about any of this. But this is. You know what's what's going around in the F1 circles, so let's take this with a grain of salt, I suppose. But um, so he gets a bonus based on number of points he scores, so his bonuses should be doing pretty well. But in his contract, and this is something apparently that they do, um, being wildly optimistic, um, whether it's Lewis or his dad or his manager or somebody said, okay, well, just in case you're leading the world championship halfway through the season, just in case we reserve the right to renegotiate this contract in the f- extremely rare circumstance. Like I say, the force is strong with this one. So so here he is, 18 ha- points yeah, up ha- on Kimi, the race the winner, 12 points up on Alonso, the next, the next highest in the championship. He is leading the championship halfway through the season. So he basically comes out and says, hey, I want some more money. Um, A lot more money. Well, it doesn't quite say how much, but I think it's easily worth, I mean, 10 times what he makes now is $3 bucks. He could be worth 100 times what he makes now. And, you know, Possibly. 30 million, it's not, I mean, he's leading the championship. 30 million is a lot to pay a single driver. But hey, I mean, that's, that's, that's closer to Schumacher money there. But, um, <laughs> that's, you know, even 10 times your salary. If, if you're doing a good job and you're, you're, uh, you're doing really well and you say, hey, I'm worth 10 times what I'm making, aren't you going to ask for some more money? So I think, you know, go for it, buddy. If you can, if you can, you know, get some more dollars out of these people, even doubling his salary, $300,000 is not a lot for a Formula One t- team to spend. And Lewis is just giving him great exposure. There's so many Lewis Hamilton fans. I bought a Lewis Hamilton shirt because uh, a McLaren shirt because Lewis Hamilton. So yeah, Hamilton should get a cut of that. They at get least. my fifty bucks, you know. So um, I think you know I think he's worth it, and you know that that doesn't make me like him any less or think he's a, a greedy driver or anything. I mean, he's just done so well. Okay, okay, okay. But let's look at it from the other side, just for the argument's sake. He did sign a contract. He was a rookie. He was an unknown. Ron Dennis did take a risk. With signing him, it it could have gone a lot more Kovalainen than it than it has, and so certainly there's some value to the fact that hey, you're also driving a McLaren. You're not testing a McLaren. You are race driving a McLaren. Maybe that's worth maybe that's worth taking the smaller pay cut. Maybe you wait a year and say, look, I've proven myself last year. Pay me. But maybe he does. He really need to do this mid season. I think while while the sun shines, make hay, right? I mean, who knows if next year the Ferraris get way back, they make some huge development, and 
they've just got they just rock it away and, and the, the Hamilton glory is sort of a flash in the pan and he never can can capitalize on it you know and it's not like he's he's poor at three hundred thousand dollars a year but still I think if he's worth so much more and he's just bringing so much more money into the team um, more just as a as a just dollars and cents you know how, how much publicity how many you know how many more fans is he bringing to the team and to all the sponsors um, I think it's just been probably brilliant for all the sponsors. And uh, you've got to imagine that there's plenty of money that they're throwing around to that they could they could throw some more more of that to Lewis. Yeah, that's that's all very valid. And I think if any if if someone were to ask you who's worth more, Hamilton or Ralph Schumacher, I think we'd know the results of that poll, right? But that is a contract. It is binding, and I think it's it's very valid to say that Ron Dennis took a pretty serious risk here to to put Hamilton place Hamilton where he did, and and. A big part of Hampton's glory is due to Ron Dennis. So I think this is a very, very interesting topic and debate. Which side does this land on? And I would love to get some feedback on that from our viewers. I think I would love to hear different people's opinions and why you think he is or isn't worth what. Feedback at F1Show.com for all your feedback needs. So, I mean, whoever came up with the idea and it, to uh, have the, you know, renegotiate the contract in case I'm leading the world championship halfway through, and I wonder how many other drivers' contracts have it in there. If Ralph Schumacher's contract says, oh, if I'm leading the world championship, I get to renegotiate. Yeah. And it's like, dude. If you, if, what, but what would Schumacher get? Would he get like a third of Toyota? Would he get all, all the profits from the Prius sales? I mean, what more could they pay him? You know, I don't know. But, uh, you know, Heike Kovalainen's probably got that in his, like, oh, yeah, just in case I'm leading. And it's like, dude, no way. So I've, I've got to imagine, you know, if, if this is something that, uh, that's been done before or if it's something that, you know, maybe his, you know, he and his father came up with and just decided, hey, you know, what the heck, let's put it in there. Sure. McLaren's going to think, oh, yeah, there's no way he's going to be leading. I mean, sure, he might do well. But, um, or, you know, maybe even if, even if the chance that he is, here he is leading the world championship. And I would say that it is worth paying him at least double, triple, quadruple what he's, pay, what he's making right now. Absolutely. Yeah, well, over a million bucks for the, for the driver. That's not that much money in Formula One terms. Another person that's proving that he might be worth more than uh, people thought is Robert Kubica. Yeah. This is his second fourth place finish in a row. And this time around, he was holding off Felipe Massa for several laps. And... As we were talking about earlier, Ferrari in general, and Massa specifically, was very, very fast. Faster than Robert Kubica. And Kubica just made his car wide and did a brilliant job. Yeah, we don't hear a lot about him. Um, he doesn't, it doesn't really get into these big battles. for you know, hasn't battled for the lead, really, um, and hasn't had well, except for his one spectacular crash at, uh, in Canada. So he, you know, he obviously couldn't finish that race and then didn't race in the U.S. because of that. Um, but other than that, we don't hear about him much, but he's solidly there in the points. I mean, he's... Uh, He's what fifth or sixth in the in the drivers' championship behind Nick Heidfeld. Um, you know he certainly has a chance to, uh, to to pass Heidfeld, and you know they're they're you know clear of the of the Renaults. I mean it's possible uh, Fisichella could pass him in the drivers' championship, but sixth, unlikely. Sixth out of a field of 22 drivers, you know, is is still qu- quite good, and you know we don't hear about him, but we got to give the guy his props for um, for just another solid drive. You know, just keeping the cars, keeping Felipe Massa behind him, and um, just. You know, keeping the, keeping the car out, out of the walls and everything is, is a good way to go. Well, absolutely. And this is, you know, his next two races, his next two results were after that, as we've mentioned a couple of times now, his horrific crash in Canada. I mean, this is his rally back. I mean, this is the two best races of his career, maybe. And it came after this really awful crash. So I, I think he's proven that, hey... I was a little shooken up, maybe, but I'm fine and I am here and I'm serious. Yeah, well, even earlier in the season, I mean, he had a, another fourth place in Spain um, uh, in 
what is that, in uh, San Marino, or in, in uh, Monaco, I'm sorry, he had a, a sixth place and seventh in, um, or what is it, yeah, sixth, sixth spot in, uh, in Bahrain. So he's, he's done pretty well. Uh, he's been in the top ten um, every, every time, um, you know, he hasn't, he's, he's been in the top ten pretty reliably there. Well, certainly he's been in the top ten, and he's a good driver, and he's, he, he, it's not that he's done poorly before, but I think these, these two results from these last two weekends have been very strong. And, you know, his fourth place earlier in the season was kind of due. We had some pretty big guys falling off. I remember Raikkonen was out of that race. Yeah. And so we kind of fell into that fourth place. And also, you know, for most of the season before these two races, Heidfeld has been pretty consistently quicker and farther up in the, in the race results. So, you know, he's really putting in some strong performances, and I think BMW should be proud of their two drivers, really. I mean, Nick Heidfeld finished sixth. He did really well as well. And Heidfeld also, for for what it's worth, made it very hard for Felipe, Felipe to get around him. But Felipe did manage it eventually. So uh, I just think that he's doing well. And again, he's another 22-year-old. This, I mean, it, Kubica, Rosberg, and Hamilton are all 22 years old. Very yeah, young. And Heki Kovalainen, I mean, he's what, 21 or 22? I mean, he's... He's, 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 he's a, a youngin. Yeah, there yeah. are all these. Uh, just, uh, you know, this Any Colin fans, you know, let us know how old he is. So speaking of old guys, Ralph Schumacher. <laughs> <laughs> so both the Toyotas this uh, you know this this race were out of the um, just you know out of the race retired mechanical issues. Um, Ralph Schumacher just retired on lap 22. I mean, not even halfway through the race. I um, mean, they said he had a wheel fixation problem. He thinks it was a broken front suspension, but the car just didn't work. Stopped working. Um, for whatever he, reason. He pulled into the pits and retired. Um, and then also in lap 43, Diarno Trulli um, had, a, had a problem. It just said he was facing balance and grip issues. So the Toyota guys still just don't have it together. Um, Ralph Schumacher actually had a pretty good qualifying performance. I mean, he was, he was what, sixth? Yeah, he qualified sixth. But first of all, I want to point out, on the Formula One site's official uh, uh, results, you know, it doesn't say suspension failure. It says wheel. Yeah, it usually tells us hydraulics, engine, accident, whatever whatever the issue was. And in Ralph Schumacher's case, wheels. It was a wheel. So he had a wheel problem. I don't know if it wasn't round enough for him or what. But it's it's funny that he's like, oh, the suspension failed. And it's like, well, what is a wheel fixation anyway? But regardless, How whatever. How has that never happened before to anyone else? At this point, I'm not surprised. I'm just pointing it out. Yes, he did qualify sixth, but he had an awful start. He lost two places at the start. Well, he could, he had the opportunity to make one of the best starts and really make the most of it because Felipe Massa, since he'd stalled, left a big open hole in front of Schumacher. So if he'd gotten a good start, he would have been able to scoot right up and maybe into fourth spot because um, there was no one there to fill in the hole. So that that could have been, you know, he could have really taken advantage of that. And I was looking for him to do so, and he didn't. He didn't. And, you know, I give, I give Truly a lot of credit. I think in general Truly does as much as he can for the Toyotas as possible. The car's just not that strong. But this is something I noticed this weekend that I just have to point out. If you look at the Constructors' Championship right now, Williams' Toyota is currently fifth in the Constructors' Championship. Williams is a private team, and they buy or have a deal with Toyota, use Toyota engine. Toyota is sixth in the Constructors' Championship. So the works car, the factory team, is behind the customer car. And that just goes to show you that Toyota team is is not doing that well. I mean, their engines are not all bad, but their chassis just needs a lot of work. Yeah, and, and also Super Aguris are ahead of the Honda teams. And, you know, as we're seeing more and more, the, the, the really good performance in North America may have been more of a fluke than we thought. I mean, after that, Takuma Sato really hasn't done any of these other amazing rocket performances or really amazing passes. But, 
Um, so we, which is too bad because we love Takuma Sato and they're super gurry guys, but well, they're, it, they're outperforming the factory Hondas. What's, what's very interesting about that is both of those tracks, Canada and the U.S., are low downforce tracks. Canada is just pretty fast in general. It's, it's just two big long straights with a bunch of chicanes thrown in between and a, and a, and a hairpin. And then the USGP has the longest, uh, straight, and I define straight as, as long as they keep their foot on the floor, the longest straight on the, on the, of the season. It's like 22 seconds on the gas um, per lap. So just going out of turn uh, turn 11 onto the oval of UND track, they're on the gas forever. Anyway, those are both very low downforce tracks, and I think what that means is is that when you trim those uh, super gurry cars out, they get better and better, and that the Honda and the Honda engines are good. So I think there is some consistency to their performances in North America and Sato doing as well as he did. I think that also says the drivers are pretty good, and it has more to do with the car than the drivers, which is no surprise because they're the, you know, one of the backmarker teams and certainly they have the lowest budget. But uh, it, it does make you wonder if, uh, you know, heard some of these rumors about uh, Takuma Sato maybe going to even Toyota, which would be kind of a, a coup for him because he's been with he's Honda been with forever. Honda for but, ever. Um, you know, if, if, and who's to say the Toyota car is much better than the Super Aguri, I guess, anyway. But, um, you know, it's one of the things that I think, you know, that's why we like him. He just really seems like a solid driver, and if only he can get into some good hardware, then he really could make something cool happen. So we'll have to see. I mean, Monza is uh, the fastest circuit on the uh, on the calendar. If if the Super Aguri guys can do well at Monza, that'd be that'd be great. That'd be very great. Although I think even though it's the fastest circuit, it is a little bit more sensitive to downforce than Indy. I mean, Indy is literally just flat out forever, and they want to trim the cars out as much as possible. Uh, Monza is fast, but it's also you know got some bends. Yeah, but Monza is not for a couple more races. And uh, next week we've got we've got a week off, and then the European Grand Prix at Nurburgring is coming up. So that should be that should be a cool one. And uh, then we've got uh, Istanbul, and which is a which is a driver favorite. That's yeah. a track that they really love. Actually, Hungary comes up first, then Istanbul, then Monza, and then our favorite, which was missing last year, Spa Francorchamps. Ah, Spa Francorchamps in Belgium. So that that'll be a good one. Oh, Rouge! If only for our Rouge. That, oh, what that, a that circuit could just have one track. corner on it, and if there, if it were our Rouge, we would still like it. So brilliant track. Love that place. That just about wraps up our coverage for this episode of the uh, for the British Grand Prix. We do want to thank you, uh, gracias Roberto, for your uh, comments on our feedback on our U.S. coverage, and hopefully we can see you next year at the USGP. That'd be great. And uh, if you have any other uh, feedback, anything you want to send us, you can either re- reply to the blog posts on f1show.com or send us an email to feedback at f1show.com. Please do. And before we go, I have to give a shout out. Now this is a little belated, but Juan Pablo Montoya. Gittner Dunn has scored his first victory in the Nextel Cup back in the down-home NASCAR series. Yeah, buddy. Us, uh, us U.S. state boys know all about it. And he won the uh, he won at Infineon Raceway at the, oh boy, what is the name of this place? The Toyota Save Mart 350. So congratulations to Juan Pablo you for that. Love these, these Nextel races with their like uh, you know 18 different sponsors, prevented by so and so, powered by whatever. Yes, yes. He he did not do as well at the Lennox Industrial Tools 300. Exactly. But, but, <laughs> so it's one of the few road courses that uh, the Nextel Cup Series goes to. And yeah, it's, one of two. So it's it's great to uh, you know JPM way to show those boys how to turn right every once in a while. So good work for you. Yeah, maybe you can get a F1 ride out of this. You keep that up. You never know. But anyway, congratulations to him. Uh, he's a he's a big U.S. favorite. Uh, I've followed him since he was in Champ Car in the late '90s, and and uh, he's got the Indy 500 win. He's got Monaco win, and maybe he can get a Daytona win one day and have a, a nice little trifecta. 
That would be brilliant. So until two weeks from now from Nürburgring, I'm Jim Lyle. And I'm Robin Warner. See ya!